0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Rolling along, Greeny busy on this football Friday. There may not be games this weekend, but there's plenty of football in the air. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests like Moose Johnston later this hour reacting to this huge news out of Houston. He'll be with me as everyone is on the Goodyear Hotline. Bubba's here today, Hembo's here today. And again, the news that broke just before we came on the air here, last few minutes of Get Up. J.J. Watt asks for and and receives his release from the Houston Texans, who have become basically just a sinking ship. People are just racing from them as quickly as they can. And I was thinking about this. You know, there's nothing worse than rooting. Well, one of the worst things you can have as the fan of a sports franchise is when the ownership is just a mess and a disaster and there's nothing you can do about it. Because someone made this comment to me on a golf course in a different context about a different team, and it has always stuck in my head, and it stays with me, and I think it applies here. And I don't say this lightly, but when you look at the complete and utter disaster that Cal McNair has made of the Houston Texans, if that was a public company, the board of directors would have him removed with cause immediately, immediately. He's failed in every way you can fail. But in the National Football League, you can inherit a franchise and you can only fail up. (laughs) The Houston Texans are going to continue to make trillions of dollars going forward, regardless of what he does. So as you're a fan, there's nothing you can do. Nothing. You can boo. You can not go. But I've never been a big fan of not going. The whole not going I've never liked. Let me tell you a story about that, actually. Let me tell you a little story.
2: just going to sit back and have a little story time.
1: Tell me a story. When I first started doing talk shows in Chicago in the early 90s, the Chicago Cubs were terrible, just terrible, which they were for most of, you know, a century. But they were at a particular, you know, there's ebbs and flows. They were at an ebb. And I remember there was a little bit of a, a movement afoot at that time that fans should stop going to Wrigley Field, that one of the problems, the belief was. That going to that the fact that Wrigley Field was such a destination for any of you in America who have never been to Wrigley Field, there is no better place in America to watch a sporting event than Wrigley Field on a sunny day. There isn't. the 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 Wrigley Field bleachers are an extraordinary experience, regardless of the game. The game is almost secondary, and so people were telling me, Greeny, that's the problem that people are flocking to these games, they're spending all their money, the organization is making all the money, there's there's no incentive for them to get better. You're not holding their feet to the fire. And that, of course, makes logical sense. I can't fight it. But my response to stop going to the games has always been, well, now I'm depriving myself of one of the great joys in my life like, this isn't my job, being a fan of my team. I'm a Jet fan. You're a Cubs fan. Hembo, you're a Phillies fan. Bubba, you're a Met fan. Whatever your team is. It's not your job. This is something you do for fun. And so it's not my job to figure out how to make them better. I'm, just, I'm in it for what I can get. So, I mean, grow, and I was in college. We would take the L down to Wrigley Field every Thursday. Almost, there were almost never Thursday classes, and this was at a time, just to tell you an old story, the Cubs didn't have lights. There were no lights at Wrigley Field until 8-8-88, August 8th of 1988. Actually, it got rained out that day, so it was the next day. But either way, the point is, they didn't have lights the first three years I was in college. So we would take the L down there from Evanston, and we would go to Cubs games every Thursday because they're all in the daytime. And it was just fun. It was young people having fun. There was plenty of drinking. There was all kinds of whatever you imagine it was is exactly what it was and is. And like every now and again, you'd look up and say, oh, what's happening in the game? (laughs) It didn't didn't make any difference. That's not really the reason you were there. So the point I'm making is if the ownership. So if you're going to tell me the fans need to do something about this ownership in Houston, my answer is what? Call up the talk shows. Tweet nasty things about Cal McNair and Jack Easterby. It's a shame because you really have no control over the situation. And nothing you can do. This isn't getting better anytime fast. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection for more than vehicles with insurance expertise to keep your company moving forward. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. If you're just joining me, I had Sean Salisbury on in our first hour. And he lit it up. Sean, you know, Sean, he used to be an NFL quarterback. He worked at ESPN for a while. He's he's been around. And he is now a talk show host in Houston. So he's sort of living in this every single day. And I read him a list of all these high profile people who have left the Texans, including now J.J. Watt and the team president and the general manager and the coach and the head of public relations, this woman that everybody loved. And I read that list, and I said, what does that mean? And here is what Sean said.
0: Think about the two most powerful people in this organization, the owner, Cal McNair, and Jack Easterby, and neither one of them have any football business savvy, and neither one of them have any football business when it comes to X's and O's, and they're running an organization. And it's obvious that while those guys you named on the way out the building, uh, a couple of them had a knife in their back. I've never seen a situation where a guy whose resume uh, in Jack Easterby can control the owner's ear more than anybody I've ever, ever seen. It is this dysfunction. on Green, that's saying a lot, considering the sports teams we have. But the dysfunction isn't, well, bad X's and O's. We know that. But you think about this. If this franchise was not protected by the NFL shield or they did not have that, the backing of the NFL or the fact that the NFL always makes money, this business would be boarded up and closed down.
1: It's a different way of saying what I just said. Only he did it even better. That was phenomenal from Sean. And I know what you're wondering. You're saying, Greeny, who the actual heck is Jack Easterby? From 2011 and 2012, he was in charge of character development in Kansas City. Is he an acting coach? Like, what does that mean? Character development? What does that mean? You're breaking down. What does a character development coach do? He went to New England then, and he was the character coach there, too and the team development director, and his managed responsibilities over several sub-programs within organization. That's his bio. That was up until three years ago. Then he went to Houston, and he's now the executive vice president of football operations. (laughs) You can't make this up. He went from being in a character development role to being the executive vice president of football operations. And the line to get out the door extends beyond where your eye can see. And the owner is like, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. We're doing all right here. Don't worry about it. I'm Cal McNair. Never worked a day in my life. And now this guy, I just hired this guy for reasons known only to me. And we're going to run this franchise into the ground. And then a damn thing you can do about it. So that's where we are. That's where we are. And at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson wants out of there. And here's the real problem. Here's the real problem. They may just make him sit. They may just decide because either they don't want to set a precedent or for whatever reason, they may just decide they're not going to trade him. And do you know whose best interests are served by that? No one. No one's best interests are served by great football players not playing football moose johnson will weigh in on this as we go far more numbers on this as we go the NBA's on espn radio tune in tomorrow night We got the rant and the nets visiting steph and the warriors that should be good it's presented by indeed coverage begins 8 p.m eastern on most of these espn radio stations that's a good game we got the nets and the warriors tomorrow night i'm looking forward to that uh and you will hear it here on most of these espn radio stations okay back with much more as we go we're fired up it's a football friday on espn radio Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder.
0: Previously on Greeny.
1: I believe that Matt Stafford was surrounded by a level of ineptitude that no one could have overcome. And I believe you put his skill set together with the little mastermind that is the coach there, McVeigh, Sean McVeigh in Los Angeles, with that defense and those weapons. If I had to bet an amount of money right this minute that mattered to me on which team I think will win the Super Bowl, I would look long and hard at the Rams. I am Greeny, and our weekly rewind is brought to you by Dell. The Dell President's Day sale for business is on with up to 50% off PCs powered by Intel Core Processors. Call 877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor. That's 877-ASK-DELL. I said that earlier this week, and I stand by it. I believe the Rams, my fear with the Rams is lack of depth because they're spending so much money on so few people. Between Donald and Ramsey and Stafford, they're spending so much money on three guys that it becomes a major question if they are deep enough to sustain any significant injuries. But if they manage to navigate that, I think they feel like a very good pick. It's been a really fun week here, our Weekly Rewind. Thank you for spending this time with me here. I always appreciate it. And thank you to our friends at Dell for sponsoring that. Okay, the big story of the day, of course, is what's going on in Houston. What does it mean for Deshaun? J.J. Watt has been released. I will get back to that in a few minutes. But first, I have to do this. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long One after, after its time. time. The genius, you said?
0: Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant.
1: I can't believe we have to do this again. I just can't believe I have to do this again. I had this fight with Terry Bradshaw in 2008 on these very airwaves. Coast to coast on ESPN Radio. I'm in an argument with Terry Bradshaw about whether losing a Super Bowl is better or worse than not being in it in the first place. And how can people still be getting this so wrong? So here's how it came up yesterday. I'm perusing Instagram because, you know, that's kind of how I roll. Just scrolling through the gram. And ESPN has put up a question about Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. They got these nice pictures of the two of them. And it says, who's the goat? And my old buddy, my friend, Richard Jefferson, wrote up there as a comment Six for six. He just wrote six for six. Now, I love you, RJ, but, or, with all due respect, RJ, or, I hate to be that guy, but, those are my three phrases that you can use to preface anything. <laughs> there is only one way that six for six is better than six for nine. Forget about seven for ten. The only way six for six is better than six for nine in championships is if you only played six years, if you have played a seventh season, you are better off being six and one than six and zero oh in the finals or the Super Bowl or anything else. Otherwise, you are valuing losses over wins. Why doesn't everyone get this? I, Joe Montana is a perfect example. It was actually Montana, I think we were talking about, Bradshaw and I were having this conversation in 2008. Bradshaw had four rings, uh, Montana had four rings, and I think Brady, this was right after Brady had just lost his first Super Bowl, and we were arguing over whether 4-0 and is better or worse than 4-1. And Bradshaw's, Bradshaw's telling me, the only thing that matters is to win. And I said, hold everything. I remember Joe Montana playing the New York Giants in an NFC championship game, the Hostetler year, whatever year that was. It's the year the Giants wound up beating Buffalo. So whatever year that is. And Joe Montana got hit in the back. Anyone old enough will never. Leonard Marshall hit Joe Montana in the back so hard that I still can't believe Montana ever got up again. The Giants won that game on a field goal at the end. Jeff Hostetler, the backup quarterback, did a backward somersault. And the Giants went to the Super Bowl. You're telling me that historically speaking, Joe Montana is better off His legacy is better served by having lost that game than having won it and lost the Super Bowl. That's what you're telling me. If you're telling me six for six is better than six for nine, that's what you're telling me. That all those times Jordan lost without getting to the finals are better than Brady getting to the Super Bowl and losing. I'm not trying to knock Michael Jordan. I love Michael Jordan. But there is no logic in what that position says. Mine is the only way to look at this. And I've been saying this since 2008. How are we still having this discussion? They both got their rings. They both got their rings. No one is disputing. Michael's got six. Now Brady has seven. But we were having this fight even before. And they got their ring as brought to you by Macy's. And Brady's got seven of them. And Jordan's got six of them. But the question is not about getting the rings. The question is about... All the other times, you don't. Those games count, too. So I got Bubba and Hembo here today. Both of you, I have enormous respect for your opinion, as far as you know. Bubba, let me ask you, Which are you on the Terry Bradshaw, Richard Jefferson side of that argument, or are you on the right side of that
0: argument? No, I'm on the uh, correct side, and I'll tell you why. As a uh, five-time champion of the Avon Beer Pong Festivus Tournament... (laughs) I would agree because I've also made the finals three other times. (laughs) So I'm a five-time champ, but I believe I think I've been to the finals a total of eight times. Mm. So I am pretty much a dominant player. But, yeah, I've won it five times, but I've been to the finals eight. This is
1: another discussion that we're going to have to have. I need a deep dive into Bubba's Festivus ping-pong prowess. We will Beer pong, not ping-pong. What is it? Beer pong. Oh, beer pong. I'm sorry, I misheard you. Same thing. I mean, they're not the same thing, but yeah, well, <laughs> definitely not the same thing. <laughs> they are equal accomplishments in my eyes. They're Hembo. a ping pong ball. That's so, so But Bubba, you're, you're sort of a young, free-spirited fellow. Hembo, you're a 70-year-old man. That's right. Um, which side of this argument are you on? I'm on yours, but okay. let me ask you this question. Go ahead. What is more impressive, 6 for 6 or 4-4-10? See, 6 for 6 and I'll tell you why. Because at the end of the day, you got you, it is winning. I mean, winning, how many championships you win does count for more. Every single one you win counts for getting there twice or three times. Like, you'd have to be four for 20 to top that. At the first and foremost thing is winning. No one is disputing that. So four for 10, which I know you're asking me that because that's LeBron. Mm -hmm. LeBron's four for 10 is not as good as Jordan's six for six. How about five for 11? Yeah, now we're getting there. Okay. That's when it starts getting a lot closer. I, I've said it before. When LeBron wins one more, that's when that conversation one more. begins in earnest. It begins. That conversation becomes legit to me in earnest. You can say LeBron's the best player you've ever seen, all you want. But as far as the greatest player, then he that he needs one more. Get him five rings, five versus six. I'm willing to entertain the conversation.
0: Greenie, the podcast.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around.
1: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. I am Greeny. I'm coming to you live as every day from the Seaport District to Pier 17. Brought to you by Chase. A reminder: if you miss anything, and Sean Salisbury just annihilated everything this morning in our first hour. If you ever miss anything on our show, you can always check it out as a podcast. It's called Hashtag Greeny. It's available wherever you listen to your podcast. They take each hour. They make it its own individual one-hour podcast. It's terrific. Check that anytime you want so we can hang out every single day. Meanwhile, as this football season went along, it was a delight for us to sort of uh, reconnect with our old friend Moose Johnson, who's done terrific work as an analyst at Fox now, three-time Super Bowl champ, and he jumps in here with me on the football Friday on a day that we turns out we got some unexpected fireworks. Hello, Moose Johnston. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. So uh, all these things that we plan to talk about and we will get to them. But we have to start with this J.J. Watt thing. J.J. Um, Watt announces that, that he has requested and received his release from the Houston Texans, which means a lot of things. But let's start with him. Let, let's let's start for those. You know, I feel like J.J. Watt is he's become such a larger than life figure. That sometimes I think people have forgotten just how good he was. What do we say about J.J. Watt today as, as his time in Houston comes to an end?
3: Yeah, well, sad for the Houston community. I, I think you make a great point. It was not only on the field for J.J. Watt, but in the community. Uh, and, and with the hurricane that, that came through there and, and his GoFundMe campaign that just generated so much revenue for for all the people in need down in the Houston area, it was just absolutely amazing. So not only losing a really, really good football player, but but also somebody who's been very important to the community. So uh, kind of a double hit for the Houston Texans in, uh, in the Houston area.
1: Absolutely, yeah. He raised, I had it here, Hembo, what was it? Is it? $37 million. $37 million that year, and that was, he was Walter Payton, NFL Man of the Year, and, and well-deserved and all the rest of that. So his time there comes to an end, and, and maybe he'll go team up with his brothers in Pittsburgh or something. We'll see. He's, he's close to the end. But Deshaun Watson obviously is not, and it does once again cast a light on this exodus in Houston, Moose, and and, and what it means as far as, uh, as Deshaun Watson is concerned. Just watching it from whatever relative distance at which you and I both sit, what is your general sense of what has happened in Houston and why it seems to be such a mess?
3: You know, I'm not sure as an outsider looking in, but boy, it has been tumultuous. Uh, you know, they, they gave up a lot of draft capital uh, over the last few years, uh, kind of put themselves in a tough position. And I'm sure Deshaun feels a little bit like Aaron Rodgers did in Green Bay after the draft this year when they took Jordan Love. So, you know, there's there's areas that you want to have addressed, and you're not doing that. You've got some, some good pieces in place. Uh, and, and again, everybody always talks about windows, and, and, and Deshaun is in the prime of that window right now, and, Uh, You know, this is a team that that has the ability to compete and they've underachieved. So uh, you can see the frustration. uh, But, uh, you know, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why that they struggle so much. It's going to be interesting to see with the new regime coming in, if they can get that ship steadied a little bit uh, down in Houston.
1: That's one of many uh, situations right now in sort of a quarterback carousel, unlike anything we've ever seen. And I find myself wondering whether or not Dak Prescott is going to wind up being a part of that. That's your (laughs) old team, obviously. What is your sense of what's – I saw, you know, your your buddy Troy Aikman had some comments the other day wondering about Dak's long-term future in Dallas and and all the rest of that. What what is your sense of the way that's going there and, and what might happen?
3: You know, I I hope he doesn't become a part of this list. Uh, you know, I I feel the same way as you do, Mike. It, it's been amazing to see some of these names that could be changing teams, and we start off right away with Stafford and golf flipping uh, to start the off season. So, you know, the big thing for me is I, I remember back when the organization was was putting a plan in place to be able to sign all three. You know, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, and Dak Prescott. Um, I I think the timing just in my opinion, uh, w- was not what they wanted. Uh, the Ezekiel Elliott contract got done first. He, uh, he, he threw the cards down and, and did a holdout, uh, probably overpaid a little bit on that opening contract, and that's going to impact you down the road. So uh, I, I think if you could go back and do it all over again, I, I think you would want to get Dak Prescott signed and in there. And for me – it was always going to be. I would like to have him under contract and a part of our organization throughout uh, throughout his career ahead of Patrick Mahomes. You knew the Mahomes deal was going to pop some things up uh, in that quarterback uh, salary cap area. So, um, you know, at it, it that time, I don't know how how easy it's going to be to unwind that and then get him signed along with the other two that they already have.
1: Yeah, I think it's exactly right. It's a really good point, Moose Johnson, with me here on ESPN Radio, and let's. Because Dak, it feels to me, like he was a guy that some people, it took people a long time to buy in, right? And maybe it's just because of what we saw from him in college and his draft grade, we talked about it earlier, was a 48. I mean, on a scale of 100, people just didn't see it coming. And then he started playing great, and it felt like everyone got all the credit in the world except him. What has he proven to you? As you have watched his career, and especially this year after we got hurt, what has Dak proven to you that he is as a quarterback in the NFL?
3: I think the big thing with, with Dak Prescott early on was you know you can have the quarterback number you can have that evaluation coming out of college uh, and obviously you know being drafted where he was uh, th- there was a ceiling that, that people expected him to get to uh, and I think he's done a tremendous job doing that. Um, one of the things I'll always remember is is when he came in for Tony Romo during that season and I talked to some people at the organization with the Cowboys and, and said will you go back to Tony Romo you know when he's ready to play at the end of the season and, and they said no we probably we're going to stay with Dak. And uh, I, I was kind of surprised by that, and and they said go talk to Jason Witten. You know how close Jason and Tony are, uh, and, and Jason Witten's on board with with keeping things in place. And and I remember talking to Jason.
1: Oh no, I think we just lost oh, the right. the FaceTime on right. Moose. Go ahead, Moose.
3: Yeah, the the, uh, the intangibles are off the chart for, mm-hmm. for Dak. And I think that that's one of the things that unified that team during that time. Uh, you know, it just had a tremendous season when he came in there. And now we've seen in the offseason him get better and better and better and improve in improving areas. And we had them early in the season twice this year. The only reason the Cowboys were competitive was because of Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they were giving up, you know, 35 plus points a game. He was able to keep them in some of those games, actually, you know, pull that Atlanta game out. Uh, When that was that looked like a sure loss for the Dallas Cowboys. So that was that was the big thing early in that season. You you saw the value of him being able to be the one constant in that uh, that offense with both your tackles out uh, just all the issues that they had in the offensive line with the injuries, but he was able to keep that offense in pace with opponents uh, as their defense gave up 35-plus points a game.
1: Exactly right. No, you're right. And to the point of the contracts you mentioned a minute ago, Ezekiel Elliott, he has the largest contract of any running back in the NFL right now. Amari Cooper has the fourth largest contract of any receiver in the NFL right now. And Dak is probably staring at a second franchise tag. Daryl Moose-Johnston with me here on ESPN Radio. One more thing. The trade, you just mentioned it. Matt Stafford going out to L.A. There's basically two things that could happen here. We're going to find out that either – Matt Stafford was a good quarterback who never had a chance because he was on bad teams, or he's a great quarterback who never had a chance because he's on bad teams. And my bet is on the second one. I've always been a huge fan of Stafford, and I think in in that situation with that coach and that talent and that defense, I I love what they look like to me next year. They may be a little thin because there's so much money spent on a few players that depth could be an issue. But I love them. I, in fact, think the Rams right now are the team to beat in the whole NFC. What do you think Stafford makes the Rams?
3: <clears throat> I think he makes them extremely competitive. I don't know if they become the best team in the NFC right now, but just remember what the transition to Sean McVay did for Jared Goff. You know, coming away from, uh, you know, a, a defensive minded head coach, uh, you know, you know a, a staff that was kind of playing the game a different way. You know, when you have. A defensive-minded head coach. You're definitely playing in a different style. You're not aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. You're relying on your defense, playing good special teams, you know. So, so that that's a situation where you saw once that transition happened, that Jared Goff just kind of took off. I think you can say the same thing about Matthew Stafford. It's been Jim Schwartz. It's been Matt Patricia. He's had defensive head coaches. You know, it's it's a different mentality, the style of play with the three. Units of the football team working in in check with each other when it's a defensive head coach as opposed to an offensive background head coach. So, you know, Matthew Stafford's going to have really his first opportunity to to be in a position with a coach like Sean McVay uh, in his career. So, you know, I'm excited to see what he does with that. As you pointed out, there's some great weapons around him. Uh, I really like the running game as it came on this season, what they're doing there to kind of get a little bit of balance. And you know, I know there's been a lot of change with the defensive staff, uh, with the Rams, but still the talent is there from the the number one defense in the NFL last season. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how everything functions out there. But I'm excited to see what Matthew does, because I think it's a very similar situation to what Jared Goff had once Sean McVay was hired as the coach of the Rams.
1: Totally with you. The one thing that they will have to do, they'll have to do it in a hurry, because Stafford, Donald, and Ramsey combined take up 83 million dollars <laughs> against the cap the cap is going to be something like 180 million dollars so that's like 40 something percent of the cap on those three players so they need to stay healthy and they need to get something done moose johnson hey i'm told by the way that you just celebrated a birthday a very happy birthday to you uh and it is a pleasure to see you as always enjoy the off season. we'll check in again soon
3: yeah thanks mike
1: hey take care that's moose johnson how old do you think he is take again get- the moose who looks like he could still play. I mean, the dude is in unbelievable shape. Guess how old the Moose is? Older or younger than the greenie, than, than the green man? He's older than you. Correct. You're right. But not much. He's 55. Okay. He's 55 years old. Happy birthday two days ago to Moose Johnston here. Again, the big story of the day. If you're just joining us, we touched on it there. And, and it is the overwhelming story. And the number one trending topic on Twitter right now is the name J.J. Watt, one of the true legends. In, in the recent memory of the sport... Three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, former Walter Payton Man of the Year in the National Football League, so one of the real legendary figures in the sport, asking for and receiving his release from the Houston Texans today, continuing what is just a mass exodus out of Houston, and that's what everyone is talking about. So I can tell you that Cal McNair and Shefty have had a conversation, and we're trying to reach Shefty, and he's busy with a bunch of stuff – Oh, we do have Shefty. Oh, I'm, I'm being told we'll have Shefty in a second. Nuno, tell me when he's ready to go. That's outstanding um, because I was sent a bunch of comments, a bunch of quotes from Cal McNair uh, speaking to Adam Schefter. And I know that we were trying to get Shefty. And I'm saying it again, Bubba? Adam is there. He's got five minutes. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all we need. The one and only Adam Schefter has spoken to Cal McNair, who right now is in the center of all of this controversy in Houston. Schefter, thank you, as always, for jumping in. What can you share? What did Cal McNair have to say?
4: Essentially that they were releasing J.J. Watt today to give him time to try to find a new home. They felt like they were doing him a favor. And he talked about what J.J. Watt has meant to this organization and all he's done for the organization and how he's one of the greatest players, defensive players, in NFL history. Uh, Also talked about the fact that he said, my kids grew up with him. And these are exact quotes for you. My kids grew up with him. He's played with them on the sidelines. One of my kids shares a birthday with him. Mom is a big fan of his. He's just meant so much to all of us. But this is doing right by him, and this gives him time to pick his next stop. Now, of course, everybody knows that J.J. Watt is worthy of all these tributes and send-offs, but the truth of the matter is a lot of people feel like the Texans organization is burning down in flames, and I asked him about the front office and the criticism of the various individuals in there, and he said it's not the right time to talk about the front office. It's all about J.J. and honoring him today. And he talked about the fact that their collective actions are done to help this team win Super Bowls. And of course, I asked him about Deshaun Watson. And curiously enough, he said there's a lot of misinformation out there, and I'll leave it at that. He said today we want to focus on JJ. Deshaun is our quarterback. He's a Texan, and we expect him to remain him, and we expect him to remain a Texan. And we'll leave it at that.
0: Hmm.
4: And that's what he said. Today, to me, we were on the phone here a short time ago for about 10 minutes. And obviously, he does not want to address those issues head on today on a day that's designed to honor and discuss J.J. Watt. But they, they are prevalent. They are something that everybody across the league is talking about. Everybody's waiting to see whether or not they move off their stance on Deshaun Watson or whether Deshaun Watson moves off his stance to play for the organization, which I personally don't think he will, but we'll see how that all
1: plays out. It's Adam Schefter again with the very latest. I'm reading all these quotes along with you as they were just sent out. I know you're running to a million things. Thank you for jumping in here. Uh, Schefter, you're the best. Have a terrific weekend. Thank you thank you Greeny you got it all right that's Adam Schefter again he, he was reading the other quotes verbatim they were sent out to me as a newswiser newswire and yes he was talking mostly Cal McNair wanted to talk about J.J. Watt I'm not going to criticize that you want to talk about a franchise legend again there were three players in the history of the sport who've been named NFL defensive player of the year three times Lawrence Taylor Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt I mean that's it's he's that good and he was a pillar of the community and, and, and if that wasn't already cemented, it was so with what he did after the hurricane there and raised $37 million and everything else. So I don't have any issue with him saying, I don't want to talk about other stuff today. I want to make today about JJ. It's a convenient way to get out of talking about other stuff. But there is some legitimacy to it. That said, and as Shefty said, this doesn't go away. He can put it off till tomorrow if he wants to. But this is the biggest story in the National Football League right now. Because Deshaun Watson is a miracle, a miracle that happened to their franchise. Like you get you you draft a quarterback and he turns out to be that guy. He turns out to be everything you could ever imagine a player being on the field and off. And you somehow manage to alienate him to the point that he doesn't he refuses to take your thirty nine million dollars this year to play for you. I mean, Deshaun Watson will be the second highest paid player in the NFL this coming year. Patrick Mahomes will make $45 million this year. Watson will make thirty-nine. million. Deshaun Watson is threatening to, and everyone close to him, I can't independently verify this. I haven't spoken to Deshaun about it, but everyone who has tells you he is dead set on sitting if that's what it takes. So basically, he's saying to the ownership, he's saying to that man, to Cal McNair, I will not take your 39 million dollars to play football for your franchise for this organization. I will not work for you at even a salary that would put you in the you know, the top 0.000001% of people in human history. You're not going to do it. So something has gone terribly wrong there. And if you were listening earlier, I mean Sean Salisbury went off. I'm not going to play all of it for you again, but He's closer to the situation. He's covering sports down there in Houston, and he went off on those guys. So that's a mess. What we have in Houston is a complete mess. And if you're not a sports fan in Houston, you may be saying to yourself, well, what do I care about this? Well, I'm telling you why you should care. You should care if you're in New York. You should care if you're in Miami. You should care if you're in Chicago. You should care if you're—actually, you should care if you're practically anywhere because every move begets another— so, for example, today we had Mike Reese who covers the Patriots on the TV show. And he comes on and he says he thinks Jimmy G is going to go back to New England this offseason. Well, that means Jimmy G is not in San Francisco anymore. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean Deshaun's in San Francisco? Where's Carson Wentz? All these moves are intertwined. This isn't, these aren't things that are happening in individual vacuums. They're all happening in an interconnected way. So this is important to every fan of every football team in the country there are a lot of pieces out there people want. Matthew Stafford was one of them, maybe even the second most desirable one. Deshaun Watson is first by a long margin. <laughs> so we'll see what winds up happening. That, that remains by far the biggest story in the sport. We'll see where he goes. I have one more piece of business I want to bring back today. And that is, to, this. we got Sunday is Valentine's Day. So in 30 seconds, we're going to do a very special edition of of the green list in honor of a day to celebrate the people in your life, that person in your life whom you love the most. We'll do that in 30 seconds after this time for some straight talk. Your tax return could look different this year, but you're still going to hear a lot of noise about how to spend it. So when the big carriers tell you to splurge on the latest nonsense, just tune it out. With straight talk, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just 199 bucks. Plus, get the $45 unlimited talk, text, and data plan with no contract on America's best networks for up to 50% less. Tune out the nonsense, tune into Straight Talk. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise.
3: The list is what determines who matters in this business.
0: The Green List.
1: But every day, the Green List here with me, which is almost always my top five. My choices exclusively is decided by me, the world's foremost expert on all matters. Uh, But today, because it's the honor and honor of Valentine's Day, I wanted to do, it's great music, Bubba, I wanted to do the top five athletes or people in sports with Valentine's-themed names. But as we started going through it, there's just too many options. So I'm going to read some of them. If we had decided we had just done exclusively a top five list, Hembo, of baseball players from the 19th century... We almost could have Cupid Childs was a second baseman from 1890 to 1901. And a good one. He was good. A good second baseman. Okay, so he played in the 19th century. Buttercup Dickerson was an outfielder from 1878 to 1885. Was Buttercup Dickerson good? A sweet swinging outfielder. Sweet swinging. And then Candy Cummings was a pitcher in the 1870s. He invented the curveball. Invented the curveball. So we got three names right there that were just born to be on, Cupid Childs, Candy Cummings, and Buttercup Dickerson. But it doesn't end there. How about Ron Darling? How about Babe Ruth? How about Bobby or Denzel Valentine? How about Kevin Love, Davis Love, Bob Love, or Lovey Smith? How about Pete Rose, Derek Rose, Justin Rose, or our very own Jalen Rose? How about Trey Flowers, Trey Flowers, Brandon Flowers, or Tyler Flowers? Diamond Stone, Romeo Cronell, Paul Casanova, Tommy Casanova, Raul Casanova. And last but not least, Bob Huggins, (laughs) a man whose name does, but his entire persona does not remind anyone of (laughs) Valentine's Day. Have a wonderful Valentine's. Give that very special someone in your life a big squeeze. And we'll see you Monday. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio.
0: Greeny, the
1: podcast.